Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Move Forward Anyway podcast, featuring dream-accelerating inspiration. I'm Jeff Meyer, your host, author, entrepreneur, and coach. My goal with this podcast is to help you identify and clarify your own dream by taking wisdom from others' successes and challenges. If you're looking to take action on your dream, to make a difference doing something you love, but your fears are holding you back, then this podcast is for you. If you're interested in finding additional support, you can also check out my Dream Accelerator coaching program designed to help realize your full potential and reshape your future. As always, you can learn more about my Dream Accelerator program at jeffmeyer.org. Using my Dream Accelerating formula, heart-centered entrepreneurs can focus on their dream, name their fears, change their mindset, define their next, and move forward anyway. Welcome back, fellow dreamers, um, and welcome back to another episode of the Move Forward Anyway podcast. I am delighted to reconnect with my brother from another mother who happens to be related to my father, my cousin Adam Griffin from uh East Dallas, Texas. Um, Brother, it is so good to see you. Thank you for uh, joining us. Why don't you introduce yourself? And probably the first thing you want to do is just mention who you're married to, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's the star. She's the real star. That's my wife, Chelsea Lane Griffin. Uh, She's a labor and delivery nurse here in Dallas, and she is the mother of all my children, and she is a wonderful lady. Uh, I met her when we were both public school teachers before that she had been a golf pro before that I had been in youth ministry. Now I'm a pastor of a church here in Dallas. We have three kids, Oscar, Gus, and Theodore. They are 10, eight, and six, and they are, uh, man, my light and joy. I love those kids. And so being a father, being a husband, being a pastor, that's what I, uh, that's what I love to do. It's what gets me up in the morning. gets me fired up all day long. And I'm so honored to have this conversation with you, brother, cousin, Jeff. (laughs) <laughs> That's right, man. Oh, man. So good to see your face. It's been way too long. We need to have some more family reunions or something. Um, Let's go. Wow. Uh, one, the most important question I have is, has Chelsea improved your golf game at all? You know what? It's not hard to improve when you are as bad as I am. I mean, if you if you make contact with the ball, that's a pretty good improvement. My wife is an incredible golfer, and we took Jeff out to Top Golf Dallas way back in the day when he was down here for a visit, maybe a conference or something. And so every once in a while we'll go. My kids went to a golf camp at that same Top Golf last week, and so I'm I'm sure my three kids, even though they're in elementary school, are already better golfers than I am. But they've got my wife's DNA. You know, I'm going to be watching for that Griffin name as those. Uh those young lads uh, start (laughs) stroking it down the middle and (laughs) rising up the ranks. That's awesome. Yeah. They're awesome. Well, um, you are a pastor. Yes, sir. And, um, church planner, entrepreneur. Um, you have launched a new church that now, what is it? Three years. Yeah. We're our three year anniversary is October 7th. So coming up on three years. Yep. Congratulations. That's so yeah. exciting. Um, and you, you planted this church in East Dallas. Yes, sir. And uh, talk to me a little bit about that process of starting that church. Yeah, well, it's a long story. I'll try to make it uh, brief for those who may not be that interested. But the Lord uh, kind of put me to a, a crisis decision point where I could stay where I was 
and kind of take a promotion, keep leading the church I was in. I had a job offer to go to another church and, and take a, a role somewhere else at a church that I loved. And uh, so that night, I got both those offers on the same afternoon out of the blue. And I went home to my wife that night and just said, hey, I think the Lord is putting before us a decision point where we need to figure out what's next. And I'd never wanted to be a lead pastor. I'd never wanted to be a church planter. That was not, uh, that was not the dream, Jeff. That's not what I wanted. Wow, interesting. After after like a week of of processing that, it became clear that actually I'm already kind of leading a church of people here. And the reason I don't want to be a lead pastor was out of fear of uh, two things. What if it goes really well and my ego inflates and I think I'm something special? Or what if it goes really poorly and I'm just crushed? And I realized that both of those fears were based in a reality where the church was built on me. If it went well, then it'd be because of me. If it went poorly, it'd be because of me. And I realized that any church worth its salt, you know, this Jeff is, is Christ's church and built on him. And whether the man who's leading it comes or goes should not make a difference. It's the Lord's. And so seeing that and believing that reality set me free to say, you know what, if the Lord's calling me to do this, I'm going to do it. And uh, we'll take uh, the people with us who are willing to do it with us. And uh, really thought of it kind of like the parable of the talents, Jeff, where you have uh, one guy who's afraid to do anything because what if mm. it doesn't go well? Yeah. And then you have other people who are just like, I'm going to do whatever I can with everything that I've been given. And I was definitely the man with one talent saying, I'm, I don't know if I should try anything. I was very risk averse. And then the Lord called me to the table and said, you don't have anything to be afraid of if the church is his. And if the Lord crushes me along the way, okay, if his name is glorified, that's fine. I'm, I'm up for that because I, I want my life to be his. I want to be the good and faithful servant. And so put all my cards on the table and said, let's go and planted that church. That, that was four years ago, planted three years ago. And the Lord has uh, so far been so gracious to let it not only be uh, something that we um, have done, but something we've enjoyed doing. And it, it has uh, brought with it so many things that I have um, delighted in and have been proud of along the way. But it's, it's, been, a, it's been a journey. Yes, sir. So that's very interesting. You you said a couple things there that's r- really important. I want our listeners to hear uh, that planning the church was not the dream. No. Um, no. What was your dream? What were you pursuing? <laughs> at that I was point? at the time. I was kind of the right hand man at a church. So I had a, a pastor that was leading the church that I loved, and I was his right hand guy. And he had some very unique gifts. We describe him like Gandalf, like he'd show up and he'd disappear and he'd come and go. And I would just take things, but the responsibility at the end of the day was his. Mm -hmm. And because I loved being able to lead at a high level. And I feel like I'm, I'm not great at many things, but I'm good at a lot of things. I have a variety of gifts. And so I was able to kind of fill in whatever he needed me to do so that he could be himself. And I loved that. I loved not feeling uh, ultimately responsible. You know this in leading in church. Mm. When you're the lead pastor, everything feels personal. If somebody if somebody leaves your church, and sometimes it really is personal, but it feels personal. It feels like I must have failed them, or it must be because of me. And if somebody uh, ends up at your church, it feels the same way. If a disciple gets made, if somebody comes to your church, it feels like oh, okay, they must. That must be you know a blessing on what we are doing. But when you're the right hand man, you don't have to feel that weight. So my dream, Jeff, honestly, because of my slacker tendencies was to keep coasting for the rest of my life 
just doing the good work of ministry, but yeah. not being overly responsible for the, oh, the human yeah. souls that were around me. And that's why, I mean, the Lord waking me up to realize like, no matter what I do, I am not responsible, whether it's my kids' hearts and salvation, or whether it's the people that I'm discipling, like that's the Lord's work. And mm -hmm. so I feel set free from that burden to recognize that's not what the Lord's asked me to do. But at the time, the dream was uh, to coast all the way to the end. <laughs> so to, to get two options in that single afternoon. Yeah, uh, that that kind of well, they probably didn't come out of nowhere. They they probably were developing. At least one of them was, yeah. um, and then to find a third option emerge in that conversation had to be a really interesting experience. Oh yeah, we made a we made a list, uh, my wife and I. And actually, Jeff, it went like this: I said, "Okay, we got this job offer. It would require moving uh, to someplace we had lived before, but with a church we knew and, and loved." Uh, we could stay where we're at with the people we love and take a, a bigger role and stay. And then we, I said, well, we could look at planting a church. And my wife said, well, there's no way that's what we're going to do. I said, okay, well, that's an easy one to take off the list. I said, I could go back into, I had been a public school teacher. I said, I could go back into teaching. I had a, my best friend was planting a church. I said, we go help him plant that church. And I go back into teaching. And I realized that night, it just haunted me how quickly my wife said, church planting is not it. And I came back to her the next day and I said, why do you think it's so easy for us to say that it's definitely not going to be church planting? And she said, well, it's because you've never wanted to do it. Why would we do it if you've never wanted to do it? Hmm. And that's when I really had to tackle it is what I'm supposed to do something that I've never wanted to do for a, uh, a sinful lack of ambition. Is it because I have, um, refused to acknowledge that the Lord had gifted me in a way and given me a, a positional opportunity, but I didn't want it. Is that why it was an easy no? And, and that's what the Lord made really clear, really quick, where I talked to a lot of entrepreneurial people who had always wanted to start a business and always start, wanted to start a church. And I feel like the opportunity came my way and I'm delighted by it. Don't hear me say like, I hate my job. I love it. But it never been on like the life goals list. And um, the reason being, I think I was I'm, I'm a consummate people pleaser. And when you're a, a lead pastor, it is really hard to keep everybody liking you or everybody happy. And it sounds like a nightmare to me. And it, in many ways it is. I mean, there are days where I'm just crushed because I've disappointed somebody, but I try to be very vulnerable as a lead pastor now to say, if, if you're, if you're ever surprised to be disappointed by me, let me, let me take the wind out of your sails right now. I am going to disappoint you. And you yeah. can't come to this church because you're getting the best sure. deal on a pastor. We can't have consumer, customer, clientele yeah. for church members. We've got to be in this together. And, and that's ways that I relieve some of the tension that I would otherwise feel. But, you know, starting mm -hmm. a church is a lot like starting a business, living out other dreams. Absolutely. It was a, a lot of, I, I felt like I related more with the guys who started their own businesses than I did with other guys who were leading churches because yeah. they understood all the like incorporation work you got to do marketing stuff you got to do. And it was a, it was a lot of that entrepreneurial stuff that I, I didn't have strong muscles there, but I feel like the Lord blessed as we went and it went really well, but I mean, who knows why? I don't know. It wasn't me. That's for sure. <laughs> I think it's interesting uh, to consider as you're listening into this conversation uh, that sometimes the dream is, comes from an unexpected place where you maybe even resisted the thought before. Oh, for um, sure. 
because I'm sure uh, knowing my cousin, there were times along the way that church planting, because he's been exposed to church planters, was at least a thought like, could I ever do this? Nope. And you just shut it down. Yeah. But, but sometimes the dream, a lot of times the dream is persistent. It just, and and it's because the Lord's persistent. He, he keeps, keeps after it. I want to also now just take a, a moment what has emerged? What new opportunities, new dreams, uh, clarified dreams have resulted because you and Chelsea and your boys took the step to do yeah. what you didn't want to do? Well, that's <laughs> you there's took a, the step. What what's opened up for you? Uh, tons. I mean, I I think uh, first the dream to truly shepherd a group of people in a local place and do it for a long time. I've always had a dream of like really being rooted somewhere. I've always been very easily contented with my positions and satisfied with job. Hence the desire to coast. I'm like, I, I could do whatever job I'd been in. I could say I, I, I could do this for the rest of my life. Now I feel like I really am in the last job I'll probably ever have. And I feel very contented in that and delighted with the opportunity to shepherd. And right now in a culture that uh, is, you know, six days a week, the, loud, the loudest voice in our people's lives are not typically the voice of God, the voice of the scripture, the voice of orthodoxy. And then on, on Sunday, I get the chance to be sometimes the only voice they heard all week that's going to tell them something true and point out something that's false. And that is a significant responsibility to me where I'm saying, I'm going to have to help people swim upstream in a culture that is pushing hard the other way. And so that dream honestly used to be something intimidating. Now it's something that kind of keeps me up at night going, I'm, I'm fired up to do it. And if, if that's my life's work is to help people look, whether it's in their own homes in the way they disciple their kids or whether it's in the way they're discipling in their workplace, or it's just me discipling them. It's thinking about how are we going to ride our bike up the hill? How are we going to, you know, canoe the canoe upstream? We're going to go against the current and try to get other people to turn with us. And it's going to be, that's a slog. That's a hard thing to do. Say we're going uphill, we're going upstream, but that's, Again, it's a dream I would have never considered. And now it's it's literally my life's work and I'm delighted to do it. And I feel very proud of the way the Lord has used us to do it so far. And at the same time, very humbled because I know there is nothing special in me as a leader or as a pastor or just a man of God that I could say, well, here's, here's something that I've come up with or I've done everything around me. I get to give full credit to God because this has not been something that has been a strategic pros and cons list plan that I've had since childbirth. It's something the Lord has continued to just flower, just blossom in my life. Yeah. So as you, as you paddle upstream and you help others do the same in community um, and you realize the uphill climate is in our communities to represent and speak on behalf of Jesus and and disciple in the way of Jesus in a world that, almost in every aspect pushes the other way. Yeah. Um, talk to me and share with the, the, the listeners, what are some of the, the challenges, the obstacles that you have faced in yourself, in your own spirit, in your own body, as you have, I, I mean, just as simple as getting up on Sunday morning and feeling the weight of, yeah, sharing that word. I mean, what are some of the obstacles that you, you face? 
some of my biggest struggles, I shared that I'm a, a consummate people pleaser. That leads to significant insecurity. And when my job is getting in front of groups of people in order to speak on a regular basis, that is not, that is a fertile environment for insecurity to take root. Yes, yes. I'm getting up and saying, uh, here's here's Adam. He's got something to say that you should listen to. And if at the end, I feel like, man, that just was, I didn't do a good job or I didn't do my best job or somebody is upset by something I said or didn't say. I said too much here or not enough there. And you're talking about something very important when you're talking about the souls of human beings and yeah. work that God has called us to. The pressure to be uh, my best is significant. And so the insecurity is rampant. So when I walk away from the pulpit on a Sunday, it is rarely that I'm like, there, that was it. Oh man. I, I, it. I, I, yeah, Watch out people. I'll be back again next week. Here it comes. It's more like this profound insecurity. Uh, you know, Charles Spurgeon said once, if you could know how many times I walked away from a sermon wishing you guys had a better preacher. Mm. And I feel like that's, I, I feel that way all the time, just feeling like, gosh, why did God call me to this? They need somebody better than me in this. And so insecurity is the struggle that I hit all the time. And that has to do with everything. I mean, I had so many pastors this week reach out to me about uh, Afghanistan and what's going on around the world and what we're going to do here. And, and some of them asking, what are you guys doing? And me feeling like I don't have a great answer. And uh, not that they're looking for me to lead them, but I just feel, man, I feel conflicted going, why, why don't I, I wish our people had a better leader who knew what to do right now, knew what to say and whose prayers were more effective. Or, mm-hmm. And at the same time, that's all putting uh, the, the onus of the church's responsibility on my back. And that's yep. not what the Lord's asked me to do. No. So I have one to of constantly greatest, one of the greatest temptations um, yeah. of the the enemy, right? And we're talking yeah. about ministry is to put it on us, and we see what happens around the country with pastors that have gotten an elevated position of ego, and it just has uh, been disastrous. And yeah. so, how do you how do you move forward anyway when you're feeling that way? Good. When you are consumed with insecurity. Well, I've done a couple of things. I, I do seek wise counsel from older saints in my city. I have a wife who does not mince words about what's true. You know, mm-hmm. I'll, a quick story. The first, when I was getting assessed as a church planter, you have to go get assessed by yeah, a board to, of pastors. Yeah. And I saw, I, one of the things I had to do is preach in front of a room of maybe 40 or 50 pastors who are going to tell me how I'm doing as a preacher and where I need to improve. So I'm, I was crazy nervous. And my wife, Chelsea, who, you know, she's brilliant. I said, Oh, Chelsea, I'm so nervous. And she said, Adam, are you worried about what these people think about you? I said, yeah, yeah, for sure. She goes, then you should be nervous. You should be nervous. So if you're getting up to preach because you're wondering what people are going to think about you, you should be crazy scared. I was like, this is not helping. This is not helping, Chelsea. Helping me, Chelsea. <laughs> She's like, the reason you're going to preach is because you have something that the Lord has put on your heart to share. That's his word. That's that's it's to bless people. But if you're getting up there because you're auditioning for somebody's approval, then you should be, you should be nervous. And so honestly, what the way that I move forward anyway is having people around me that that remind me what's true about me and what's what's true about what I've been called to do. My my counselor said mm. one of my struggles is it's like I work out only one arm. And it's like, I, I work out this arm of how did I fail other people like crazy? I'm just like, how did I disappoint you? How could I have done better? And so when you talk about dreams, I'm sure you talk to a lot of people about failure, failed dreams. 
Yeah. I'm just so ready to believe I failed. I'm I'm so ready to be discouraged. It's That's right your go-to there. move. Yeah. Yes. I, as yeah. much as I feel generally optimistic in life, I feel pessimistic about my own um, strengths and my own uh, contributions. And so I'm always ready to believe I failed people. I'm very hesitant to tell somebody they failed me. I'm very hesitant to say that uh, somebody else let me down or um, that, uh, that I can do something or that I've accomplished something, that the Lord did something good. I'm just, I just, I don't give any credit to the Lord for even the good things because I'm so quick to imagine I could have done better. And so I just, the failure lie all the time that as, as if the Lord is constantly disappointed in me, which is not what I read in scripture. He's, he's incredibly gracious, so kind, a better father than I am. And I would never treat my kids like that. So the fact that sometimes I believe it, I mean, to move forward anyway, is to remember who Christ actually is, what he's called me to, Mm. then be reminded by the people around me about the lies that I typically believe about myself. Wow. And, and people that can support you, you mentioned a counselor. Um, yeah, that there's been therapy, there's been talking about these deep soul issues and personal struggles. Um, it's very vulnerable and very encouraging to hear you say that. And I hope that everybody who's listening can recognize that any dream pursuit, and I and I would say this, any it would it would count for any dream pursuit, but especially a kingdom dream pursuit, a heart centered dream pursuit. You you will not do it alone. Yeah. You will need a group of people to come with you, to support you, to keep pushing you back to your, your true north and reminding you of who you really are. Um, excellent. So you got married. Yes, sir. In the middle of this uh, trying to live an adult life. And <laughs> God has blessed you with three children, uh, three amazing boys. Um, They're awesome. The last time I saw your child, your firstborn was, I remember it was at an awesome barbecue place and I got to hold him. He was still really tiny. And now <laughs> my gosh, it's so fun to see them grow. Um, yeah. So here's, what's really interesting as you've pursued this dream. I know that this is not, you do not live a compartmentalized life. And, um, just last night, I was with our some of our dreamers on our, our Dream Accelerator, and we had this moment of clarity in our coaching call that the dream pursuit includes every aspect of our life, mm-hmm. that we don't compartmentalize things. So you don't compartmentalize church planning and leading a church apart from raising your boys, loving your wife. Right. Um it's all integrated and right. you have actually taken some of that learning, some of the discovery and put it into a book, which yes. is really awesome. Can you show it to the, to our, yeah. our listeners? It might be I backwards would, on there, but that's it. Oh, it's perfect. Family discipleship. I love the subtitle, uh, learning your leading your home through time moments and milestones. That's it. And uh, you co-author that with Matt Chandler uh, awesome book. Um, I've given it away. That's why I wasn't showing it today to somebody. (laughs) I have no idea. I'm gonna have to get another copy, man. Um, so share a little bit about what you have discovered about the home, about the Christian home and the important place that that holds in your dream. Well, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I could, I mean, 
I've spent so much of my, the last five years of my life thinking about this. I could, I could easily spend the next couple hours talking with you about it. I think very simply this, I, the older we get, Jeff, you discover traditions, routines, and, and kind of ruts that you wonder where they come from. And some of them are really good. And you'll, you'll connect with this as a pastor in our churches. When somebody gets engaged, it's very traditional in the Christian church, at least to get premarital counseling and to go, okay, we're going to, before we get married, now that we're engaged, let's go meet with a pastor or a counselor or a mentor. And there's a hundred Christian resources on, so you're about to get married. Let's ask these questions. Talk about finances and kids and sex. And let's talk about all the stuff you need to talk about before you get married. Well, to me, there's a really important transition in a person's life as well when they become a parent. And there are a ton of resources out there on what to expect when you're expecting and, and sleep decisions and feeding decisions, formula or nursing. What are we going to do? But when you read the Bible about parenting, and you look at it as a, as a guide to your life, a lot of what the Bible calls us to do as parents is teach our kids all that Christ commanded them, is to, is to talk about the things of the gospel all the time. And yet we looked at what was out there resource-wise and said, what resources out there for the person who just became a parent or just became a Christian or wants to lead their home spiritually? There's a hundred for you just got engaged, but what's out there for you just got pregnant or you're about to adopt or what's out there for, I want to lead my family better. And we said, man, we need to help families process through that. And so we tried to create a very thin, non-intimidating book that still included, it wasn't like, hey, get this book and then also get the study guide and then also get the DVD, but had a lot of practical helps and charts in there to say, let's plan out the fact that what the Lord has asked you to do, and it's one of the most important things you're ever going to do with your life, is to spiritually lead your home. And like you said, it, it is integrated with our church, it's integrated with who we are, both me as a pastor through the years of people. I'll give you an example. Two nights ago, well, let me say this. One Tuesday a month, I invite any single man from our congregation just to come to my house and be discipled. We just want to invest in the single men in our city. So I tell you know, our single women, if you're, if you're dating a guy or you know a guy who needs to be discipled, just send him to my house once a month. I'd love to meet him. And so we sit down and we just talk about what do, what do men need to talk about? What does the scripture say about it? I don't plan a lot. We just disciple. But the first thing we do is I have my three boys come in the room. We read the Bible with them. We pray with them. We sing with them. And then we say goodnight to them. And so my kids get to see grown men praying, singing, reading the Bible. It's great for my boys. These single men get to see me as a dad, them as sons, and they get to see family discipleship in our house. So even if they've never been discipled before, they've never seen it before, there's some level of familiarity. We don't like dress it up or anything for them. It's just what our family does every night is read the Bible, sing and pray. I just don't cancel it just because our house is full of people. We integrate, yep. we, we involve our entire community in that. And if you, if you and Amy were to come to our house and stay, which well, let's do it, come on, come on down. <laughs> if you were to come to our house and stay, we would do the same thing. Hey, it's about the time our kids yep. are going to go to bed. Let's break whatever conversation we're having, whatever we're drinking or eating and whatever game we're playing. And let's take a second, let's read the Bible. Let's pray and sing with our kids. And then we'll send them off to bed because to us, family discipleship is what we build our life around, not the other way. It's not like it's something we sneak in. It is woven into what we do, but it's not low on our priority list. And so for us, we, we found, and there are a lot of people doing this really well, but there weren't a lot of resources to help people plan it. And there are a lot of resources to help you do it. There's children's Bibles and albums of songs and devotional guides and tons of resources to help you do it. We wanted to create a resource to help you plan it. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I've been spending the last four or five years of my life. But before we were planting the church, this is what 
I was working on. This was the dream, help families disciple their kids. And if I could have one thing be the legacy where my name is forgotten, but the work keeps going, it would be that moms and dads of continuing generations, chain after chain after chain link would be discipling their kids to know the Lord. Awesome. So what are some of the, before you hit publish on that book yeah, uh, or even began to write the book, what kind of um, fears did you wrestle with before you put that into the world? <laughs> well, I've already told you, I struggle with insecurity. Insecurity. So when Writing you a get, book and putting it out there is yes. like the worst. <laughs> I struggle with like, uh, I mean, you know, that life you're like, is it, does anybody going to read this? And is it going to yeah. make any difference? And yep. you know, the, the, the kind of, um, the creepy desire to read a critical review and see if, if somebody else thought what you did was worthwhile. Oh man. And Oh man, that is such a insecurities nightmare. You know, it's, it, yeah. uh, that's what I lived in. But I, I, at the same time recognized that if you looked out there, I wasn't trying to fill, um, I wasn't trying to compete with another book. I was trying to fill a vacuum. And so I'm going, okay, we're, we're trying to contribute something that's not out there. So it, that's worthwhile pursuit. I also had always, I, I told you, I struggle from a sinful lack of ambition. Like I don't, I have a dream and then I feel like, well, that's probably, I, that's probably lame. I'm not going to pursue that. I'm not going to do it. Uh, and then when you get asked to do something you really want to do, I'm like excited, but at the same time, it's insecure. And so this book idea was floated by somebody else to Crossway. And they said, Hey, you know, Adam's doing this stuff at our church. We think he could write this book with Matt and, and Crossway was like, we love it. Let's do it. And so I, I didn't have to like, pitch it, go make it happen. It like kind of happened mm. for me or to me. And so I was like really afraid of disappointing uh, Matt, my co-author, disappointing the, the reader. And those fears had to subside enough for me to say, I'm not trying to impress people. I'm not, the words I use all the time is I'm not trying to campaign for your favorite author. I'm not trying to audition for somebody who makes a difference in your life. I'd be happy if my name is forgotten. Mm. In fact, I don't make I don't make a dime off book sales. I'm like, I'm not, it's not a side hustle for me. This is not like, I just, it's a ministry to the world that I hope is going to help mm. some people and make a difference. And I get to walk away and go, there's nothing icky about it for me where I'm self-promoting. I mean, my, my name is on the book, but my name I hope is, is forgettable. Matt's is really re remember people know who Matt is, <laughs> but nobody looks at the book and goes, who's Adam Griffin. I'm curious. No, it's like, okay, Matt Chandler and Adam Griffin and, 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 they forget me, which is gracious because I struggle with so much insecurity and hopefully remember the content, which yeah. is rooted in the scripture about who we're called to be as moms and dads. And live, live that out, not yeah. just read about it, but plan it and, and work it. Um, what has opened since you published the book? Yeah. What has opened up for you in terms of a broadening of that mission? To oh, help yeah. The home, to help the home. Are there any things now that you're working on that probably wouldn't have happened if the book hadn't have been published? Oh, hundred percent. I mean, I, I've, I've spoken at youth camps for a long time. Now I'm speaking at family events. I'm speaking at churches where I'm investing in parents. I did it this last weekend. I'm speaking at a family camp next summer that I'm excited about. My kids will actually be campers at we, my wife and I, and a friend of ours, Cassie, who's been in kids ministry for 20 years, we're starting a podcast together that starts uh, September 6th of this year. The first episode drops family discipleship podcast. And so awesome. that's an opportunity to talk with other people about what family discipleship has looked like in their home, as well as equip parents. 
Uh, I had a publisher approach me about writing a resource for kids eight to 12 years old. I don't think that would have happened if I hadn't written a book on this already. I think it just any pursuit of a dream, I feel like well accomplished is going to open up other opportunities to pursue that dream or to keep investing typically. I mean, that's not promised yeah. by any stretch of the imagination, but typically. Uh, and I feel like what the Lord's done is take something like the parable of talents again, that I, I took something that was on my heart and put it out there to try to help other people. And that has borne fruit in multiplying. And so now I'm, I'm getting to be the beneficiary of other people wanting to know more. And I feel like that's blessing other folks. I think the podcast will be a blessing. Other opportunities that come through that are great, but also within my own church. I'm not trying to build a platform. I'm not trying to be a big time author or something. I'm just trying to put out there what the Lord's put on my heart without feeling icky. Like I have some kind of uh, side hustle that I use all my time for. No, I want to be pastoring my people. And in pastoring my people, the people of Eastside, which is the name of our church, feel much more welcome, I think, to come and ask me about being a mom or being a dad or investing spiritually in their kids because they know I have invested a lot of time in it. Similar to other when I did my uh, doctorate, I did my doctoral work on racial reconciliation in the city of Dallas. So I get asked all the time questions about racial reconciliation because I, I put the work in. Or this week, I'll do a podcast called, um, what's it called? Black History for White People. I'm going to drive around our city with a podcast team. It's not my podcast, it's theirs, and talk through that. Well, those are opportunities that came from I have a, an idea. I have a dream. I'm going to put a lot of work into it and I just put it out there. And then that's led to opportunity and fruit and opportunity and fruit. And while that's not promised for anybody, nor was it the ambition of my heart, the Lord does things like that. Yes. And also the Lord makes differences in people's lives that I don't know, but there's people that have read this book that I haven't met, Yeah. you know, that are, that are hopefully like making, paying dividends for generations forward. That, that's a fruit that I'll never see, but I'm grateful that I could be a part of what the Lord is doing and mm. be forgotten in it that his name might be remembered. So you talk about the home being a central place where faith is, is experienced and lived out. It's not just learned. It's not just um, affecting our minds. It, you model it, you live it. Um, you talk about racial reconciliation. And so um what I'd, what I'd like to ask is, as you think about all those, all those areas that you're in, that you're, you're pursuing, you wrote the book because there was a gap, right? Yeah. So what problem, and I find this a lot with entrepreneurs, there's a problem they're solving. There's a solution they're providing to the world of something that's broken, that's not working quite right. Broken shalom, we might use that, that terminology. Yeah. What is the solution? What is the solution to the problem that your life work is, is delivering? That's good. There's, a, there's certainly a lot of problems out there, and I'm not an expert in all of them. Uh, I think one of the problems that people see most often that's related to the work I've done is the degradation or the collapse of a family, and not just a nuclear family, but the family at large. My wife, I said, is a labor and delivery nurse. All kinds of people are having kids, every ethnicity, every socioeconomic class, every age. I mean, people are coming in to have kids that are teenagers. People are coming in to have kids now who are in their 50s. You know, it's it's all across the board. And so she sees a sliver of our society that I don't get to see, which is mm -hmm. how many fathers are present at the birth and how engaged are these fathers? How many of the people who are coming in to have kids are, are married? How many of them are addicted? How many of them are abusers of substances? And it's, it is not a pretty 
seen. In our hospital, if you come in a man and a woman with a baby that you were excited to meet, you are in the minority in our culture. And so you think about the difference that makes to a culture for a family, or when I'm trying to instruct my family in the things of the Lord and what he's called us to, how I am going to have, like we talked about earlier, an uphill battle to convince my kid that the way that the Lord's called us to live and what he's called us to believe about relationships is true. I think family discipleship, my life's work is going to be part of the solution I hope to the problem of how does, how does a single mom, how does a multi-generational home, how does a divided home or a blended home disciple a kid in the things of the Lord, knowing that none of us are perfect parents and all of our families are dysfunctional. How do we follow a perfect God? And so all of us can attest to family dysfunction. You and I are family and we could sit here and we could talk about the Meyer family uh, dysfunction. I mean, we could do it. Uh, I don't think it would honor our grandparents well. I don't think it would honor our parents well to air this right here, but we could talk about our dysfunctions. So how does uh, the work that I've done, family discipleship, help resolve that? I think by making Christ the center of what we're trying to accomplish in our homes, saying like, I'm, I'm going to portray for my kids who are imperfect, an imperfect father who's following a perfect God. So I want my kids to know what it's like to be an imperfect man following a perfect Christ. And I can do that because I am an imperfect man. Well, that's awesome. Um, really appreciate what you're doing, who you are, uh, how God is using you. Um, and I'm remembering days gone by where we were just a couple uh, rugrats rolling around, wrestling on the carpet <laughs> at some family gathering at grandma and grandpa's house. Um, all of us cousins sleeping in the basement at grandma Meyer, <laughs> grandpa, grandma Meyer's house. Um, remembering yeah. all these times and looking what God has made you to be, how he's working in your life. Um, just proud to know you and honored to have you in our family and in the, the family of God, making a big difference in the world. One person, one household at a time. Yeah. Kudos to you. And um, I'd like to give you a moment right now to speak to the people who are listening here who may have a heart-centered dream. They see a gap. They see a need. They think they might be able to make a difference. They're feeling and struggling with insecurity. Mm-hmm. They're wrestling with their own fears and all the self-talk that says, well, who am I to do this? Somebody else right. is much better equipped than me. Right. What kind of word of encouragement would you speak to them today? That's good. I do, I do think honesty with yourself about where God has gifted you is important. If you, if you want to be an author, but you don't have gifts in that area, it's okay to give yourself a break there and not hold yourself accountable to somebody else's abilities. That's mm-hmm. okay. It's yes. all right to say, just be, like you see this every, I, I used to watch American Idol. I haven't watched it anymore, but you see the first couple episodes where these people that have always been told they're great singers and they're not, and no one's ever been honest with them. And it's okay to not be a great singer. Mm-hmm. So if their dream is to be a great singer, but they don't have the skills, what they need to do is give themselves a break and say they're gifted in another area. And that's okay. Now, where you are gifted, where the Lord has given you not only a gifting, but a desire and an opportunity But it's because of insecurity of what impact that could have on you, or maybe you're like me, you're risk averse. I would say if if your dream is to make much of yourself and you check your motivation, you're going, what I want is to make much of yourself. Then the first thing to do is do the work in your own heart to say, is my dream about being made much of? Then Lord, the dream may not have to die, but that part of it needs to die. 
And instead, if we, if we turn over to the Lord, our dreams and say, like a talent in the parable of the talents, Lord, it's to, to build your kingdom. I want to write this, start this, create this. It's to, it's to bless my family, to do what's good. And it's not in pursuit of some kind of selfish, self-aggrandizing desire. Then I do what we talk about in the scripture, surrender to the Lord, my dream and pursue it, understanding that even if it fails, even if whatever a definition of failure is happens, then I don't have to walk in regret because what I did was try mm. to honor my Lord with what I did. And it's okay. We see people all the time in scripture, pursue the Lord and it not go well. In fact, Peter, the last thing Jesus mm-hmm. says to Peter, he says, Peter, uh, when you were young, you got to dress yourself and go wherever you wanted. But when you're old, someone else is going to dress you and take you where you don't want to go. So follow me. In other words, Christ says, following me is going to look like going where you don't want to go. Sometimes that's the call. And then Peter says, well, what about John? Yeah. And, and Jesus says to Peter, you don't, don't worry about John. Don't worry about John. John's got his own path, his own life. What if he lives until I come back again? So if your dream is going, but what about John? Uh, John got the dream I wanted. How come I didn't? I think you surrender that to the Lord and go, hey, maybe my dream is going to be going where I don't want to go because I'm following Christ. And maybe it's going to take me right where I want to be. But either way, I trust Christ because that's who I'm following. And I can be encouraged to, to put all my cards on the table, not to, to die with something in the bank, but to put everything out there because I want to make much of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah, I, um, that's so great. I hope everybody um, received that as encouragement for your own, your own dream. I, I think, um, I gave a book, one of my books away to somebody and, um, I've given them away a, a to a lot of somebody's, but this one yeah. person looked at the book and said, is, is this your dream? Mm. And I said, no, but hopefully it, it helps someone recognize their God given gift and dream. Yeah. Yeah and helps them move forward anyway. That's why I wrote it. I didn't write it. In fact, I didn't ever want to publish a book, but Mm. people kept telling me to get it out, get it out, get it out because it's going to help some people. Um, And so whatever it is you're working on, if you can surrender it, as Adam said, I I would also say like offer it to God, just give it as an offering. When you give an offering, from a true heart, you don't worry about what's going to happen with it. You just, you just share it yeah, and let it go. Let God do with it what he wants. Yeah. So whatever you're creating, writing, um, producing, painting, um, <laughs> developing, yeah. you just offer it to him, let him work out the results. Yeah. That's really good, Jeff. Well, you're really good. And it's been really great to talk to you. I love the hoodie. Um, <laughs> thanks. It's a, it's a cool to, day in Texas. These are cool so rare day in lately. Texas. We'll take advantage of it. I love it. <laughs> yes, sir. Pretty soon you can put on all your Packer gear and uh, hey. make all those cowboy fans crazy. Down hey, we're ready. We're ready. <laughs> one, one last time. One last time. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. how can people get in touch with you? Learn more about your work. You talked about a podcast that's coming yeah. up in September. Well, Give the podcast, a, just let us know what you want to direct people to. Yeah, the podcast comes out soon. Uh, uh, Family Discipleship Podcast is the Instagram handle. And we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And then whenever it releases, it'll be wherever you listen to podcasts. That's easy. Uh, The church I'm at is Eastside. So it's eastsidedallas.org. I'm on social media. You're welcome to find me there. 
But yeah, if you want to keep up with what we're doing, following the Family Discipleship Podcast is probably the best way to do it. And like I said, this this fall, fall 2021, we're going to have some really great guests. We're going to have some really great topics, and I'm excited about it. Congratulations, brother. And Thanks, Jeff. Praise God for your faithfulness. And uh, when uh, Chelsea uh, gets back, why don't you greet her for me and yeah. uh, and uh, say hi to those three young strapping lads. Um, <laughs> I I have four daughters, so uh, yeah. I have no idea what it's like to raise a boy. <laughs> yeah, but you have you have hair, and I don't. So I mean, really, we kind of trade off, and you yeah, have to keep right. it. My three boys have balded me, man. Oh man. I love you a lot. Thanks for the time today. You got it, brother. Bye, Jeff. Bye. Hey, fellow dreamer. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Head over to my website, jeffmeyer.org, for all of the show notes and links. And when you're ready to move from overthinking about your dream to actually taking action on it, consider joining the Dream Accelerator community. Our clients are getting crystal clear on their dream with our Dream Generator Vivid Description 5-Step Process. They're discovering the truth about fear and how to use it as fuel to take courageous steps in the right direction. And most importantly, they are walking a clear path forward because they have made an investment in themselves to confidently realize their dreams. The results are so inspiring. Having coaching and companions on the dream journey is crucial. Remember, fear will come, fear will stay. Move forward anyway.